0: could restore it all, you. all, and rescue it. me from pain, you had, you. Pain. You had pain. my violence you, yeah. and you erased you it, it. You. how insane.
1: Boy, do we get an earful in this week's episode. Eric Jeffrey talks to us about his opinions about the state of cybersecurity today. We talk about a number of incidents, but the one that really got his blood boiling was what happened at the L.A. Unified School District. And uh, he's got some interesting opinions on what organizations should do to respond to such incidents. You might want to grab some popcorn for this one. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup. And I have with me the guy who, according to my wife, is the only reason that I want to get a Tesla, Persona <laughs> Maliani. <laughs> Let's go persona. I'm good, Curtis. I don't... You know she's blaming you.
2: It's not my fault. I was just telling my wife. I was like, she was like, oh, why don't you push Curtis to get a Tesla? I'm like, because I don't push people. I just give them facts. They can make their own decisions. They're all adults. You ask me a question, I give yeah. you your, the details.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I think I've definitely. I, I'm not sure what pushed me over the edge. I right? think it was getting your um, car fixed. <laughs> no, you know what? It was the moment where I thought my car was dead, <laughs> even though it turned out to be a really minor. That's what it was—a really minor thing. I, I realized that basically, I'm one major repair away from, I've already done the most major repair, right? I mean, I, I'm at 210,000 miles. I've already done the most major repair I could do, which is to replace the engine, but the battery's still hanging out back there and yep. the transmission's still hanging out. So I, I'm, I'm, let's say I'm the value of the car away from this car being worth nothing, yep. right? Um, I got the really scary warning of, check hybrid system (laughs) please pull over uh you know and luckily i i was sitting in my garage sitting in my uh driveway i had caused the problem by doing um by cleaning a fan that uh it's the fan that cools the hybrid battery and by doing that i had unplugged some stuff which i i did you know because that's curtis right because that's the thing to do and well no but you're, <laughs> you're not going to work on a fan that's plugged in so i unplugged it and i did all the right things and then i plugged it all back together and then it says check hybrid system and i'm like oh my
0: god yeah
1: right so i i was and then i decided to go you know talk to dr youtube and um <laughs> thankfully dr youtube had a very simple fix to this very scary error but th- i think that was the moment where i was like you know right now my car like, I've had it tuned up. I've got a new engine. I've got new tires. I've got a, a, a new paint job. Like, this car right now is worth the most it's ever going to be at its current life. And it can only go downhill from here. And I would say drastically so. And that if I'm ever going to sell it and buy a new car. See, you should now. But time. you should
2: be like me, like my previous car.
1: I just drove that thing into the ground. Right, but 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 my point is it could be I could the ground part could be a day away. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I'm I'm at 210,000 <laughs> miles, right?
2: Yeah, at that point you might as well just pour money into it, you know, just keep doing it. It'll be fine. Just keep...
1: are, are you try, are you tr- are you trying to not be what my wife says you are? That's what you're doing, aren't yeah. you? You're going on record for not talking me into getting yeah. into getting a Tesla. Uh yeah it's not working um especially there, when I found out there there's some other incentives and yeah. stuff that I have right but but I will um, warn
2: you though, given the current mm-hmm. uh political climate and news mm-hmm. it may not be mm-hmm. in your best interest to be supporting someone with very controversial opinions
1: the, the, that is <laughs> that is a different problem right now with a Tesla for sure um just never know what that guy's going to say these days. Or polarizing
2: but, uh, opinions, I should say.
1: Yeah. Luckily, I don't buy my cars based on my political opinions, but um, yeah. Um, anyway. That's that neither is, here
2: nor there. I'm sure our guests is that. Like neither what?
1: here nor there. Yeah. Yeah. What? No, yeah. Well, it often happens to our guests. They're like, "What? What <laughs> podcast did I sign up for here?" Um, our guest today has been in the industry over 25 years working for companies like HP, IBM, and XIO. He is also the host of the Cybersecurity Graybeard podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Eric Jeffrey.
3: Hey, Curtis. Hey, Persona. Thanks a lot for having me. It's good to see you.
1: <laughs> I, I see that you're you're a uh, a member of a club to which I belong, which is the two first name, you know, a first name <laughs> as a last name, right? Um I bet yeah. that's never a problem for you.
3: I don't mind it, but my wife and my ex-wife really mind it when they when they're called Jeff. They're like, "Do I look like a Jeff?" <laughs> I'm like, it, so I'm cool with it, and I'm called things much worse than Jeff. But uh, yeah, it, it, it does become a problem.
1: Yeah, the the so. um, yeah, I've I've had I've had I've had a number of friends where the, it's like with me. I think in your is it, does Eric work as a last name and I don't, I, don't know. I Eric's son does um, but Oh, right, straight right, away, right. No. but straight away no right right yeah, cuz my name's good. my name's William Curtis Preskin literally yeah. go in any order that you want and they all work as yeah. first and last names although generally it would be Williams yeah. right yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a it's a unique, so you got and, three eh, you make yeah. it, you make it more confusing so yeah and I go by my middle name just to make it even more confusing right um, yeah, there you go why make things easy for people? Why make right? Well, we have Prasanna Malayandi here. Speaking of yeah. names, uh, difficult it's simple. To spell. Come on. Um, yeah, simple for simple for you. Literally every time I'm typing it, I'm like M A L A I Y. I think it's the I. I think it's the
2: number of vowels in my name that throw people off, and the fact that there's like an I before the Y. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, um, we're we're glad we're glad to have you on, Eric or Jeffrey, whatever you know, whatever you want to go by. Um, I'll wait, answer to either. Yeah, exactly. I, I have the same. Yeah, I have the same thing. Um, when people call me Preston, it just seems weird. Weird though. Yeah. Um, it does seem weird. I, I feel like I'm back in the Navy. Right. Hey, Preston. That that was never yeah. good. That was never good to yeah. to hear your name called out like that. Does your wife um, do that too? When she gets She definitely Matt. does not. Um, no, she just... My wife, I get the silent treatment. She, she just, just doesn't call me at all. It's just like, she'll just go. she'll just go somewhere else and, and you know, not talk to me at all. Um, so, you know, we... we You know, when I hear about, you know, the Cybersecurity Graybeard podcast, uh, which, which I was a guest on, which is very nice, um, you know, we... We don't. We. I don't think of ourselves as cybersecurity specialists. Definitely not, right? But we're definitely cybersecurity enthusiasts, right? Um, anoraks. We focus. A, no, anorak. Uh... No, we're not quite anoraks. Yeah, I think you'd have to actually know something about it to be to be an anorak. But we, we're focused mainly on like keeping the data. Like our focus is on the data, right? Uh, keeping it safe. Cool keeping it safe from anything that would do it damage, one of which is uh, cyber security uh, breaches. And, you know, during the pre-call, you know, we asked if there were some interesting, you know, cybersecurity breaches, uh, you know, and ransomware attacks that you had, um, you know, been interested in. And you, for some reason, you know, I think you seemed to want to talk about the LA Unified School District ransomware attack is that, is that about right yeah yeah I say
3: that's fair I also would say this I mean you guys are in data and data is security and data is why we exist if it wasn't for data what the heck are we protecting so whether it's like identity identity and access management you say well, I do identity well then you're in security well I do asset management the funny thing is I think asset management is one of the most important pieces of cyber because right. if you don't know what the assets are you don't know what to protect Nobody is an expert in all areas of cybersecurity. I try and know – I try to be broad, not deep. And you guys are deep when it comes to data. And I I agree with you from the pre-call that the conversation about ransomware is probably the most important piece from a data protection perspective. That or mechanisms for exfiltration. But that is – that's a different story. But for you guys with the ransomware and with LA Unified School District, that one sticks in my craw because of who the victims were. And the victims are children and they're victims of government incompetence at the state level, at the local level, and even at the federal level because of, in my opinion, when the FBI told them to be quiet and not talk about it, that's a problem. You know, somebody made a point, when a plane crashes, We do extensive investigation to find out what happened. Mm -hmm. When the SpaceX blew up the other day, they blew it up on purpose because it was veering off course. And they're going to do a darn big deep dive into finding out why was it veering off course? Why don't we do that with cyber? And then when we are way off course, like with what happened in L.A., why don't they talk about how it happened? I would guess, because there's no information on this, because the FBI told them not to say anything, I would guess there was a rant a um a, a phishing attack. Somebody right. sent an email, somebody clicked on something or opened up something they shouldn't have, and that allowed a nefarious actor to gain access to a system and a person's yeah. account. It's, and then from there
2: uh, I was just gonna talk, Eric, just briefly that Normally when you watch TV or when you watch a movie and you see all these things about hacking, right? It's like, oh, they're breaking into the system, right? They're attacking this system. They've exploited some weakness. But like you just mentioned, right? A lot of times it's just a human clicking on a link that they shouldn't have, right? That allows the bad actor to gain access.
3: Yeah, spot on. That's it. And the studies that I've read is 3% of the population will always click on that link or open that attachment. No matter what you do to that 3%, they're going to click on it. And I'm, I, I'm okay. 3% I, have some is friends. Bad. I have
1: some friends in that 3%. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, it, it,
3: it, you know, if I were king of the world, those 3% would not be allowed to turn on a computer. But I'm not. And so <laughs> exactly. they are, and they do. And we have, and I have a, you know, hell, I, I make a living out of this. I make a good living doing cybersecurity. But it's frustrating when you feel like you're plugging holes in a dam. And every time you stick your finger in a hole, two more pop up. And then when you want to go find out why are these holes popping up, you're told, shh, don't talk about that. Just put your finger in the hole. I don't want to put my finger in the hole. I don't want the hole to exist. And that's what happened with the L.A. Unified School District.
1: Yeah, it's and I I know that, you you know, you mentioned and I'd like you to talk a little bit more about that. um, You mentioned that there was exfiltration and there was really sensitive data that has been leaked of the students. You want to talk about that a little bit?
3: Yeah. What happened was the outcome, how it occurred, we don't know. But the outcome was student data and I believe also faculty and that there were teachers and and adults that were affected as well. But I'm more concerned with the kids because they're victims through no fault of their own. And the data was everything. It included their grades. It included their nurse records, so their medical, including their vaccinations and their vaccination statuses. It included their therapist if they were going to the school counselors. It was like everything, anything and everything at the school district, the whole L.A. Unified School District, which I believe is the second largest in the country. I think there's something like 600,000 victims out of this with the vast majority being children under the age of 18 or certainly under the age of 19. Six to 18 probably is the range. And for the rest of their lives, I mean, they are gonna to have to be worried that their data was out there and their grades and their mental health status. And the, the recourse is here, we'll give you Lifelock <laughs> or we'll give you Equifax for your credit rating. What's a nine year old care about his credit rating? Right. You know, right. God forbid some of these kids, when they're 13 or 14, start to become a little more savvy and they go find the data and then they start blackmailing their, their, their other students, their peers, I should say. This is one of the things that people don't know or don't talk about with ransomware. It's not the initial hit that's the problem. It's the secondary and the tertiary hits that become the problem. A lot of these people will either wait years or they won't even find the data for years, but it's still your Social Security number. Your grades in the third grade are still there, and if people want to come back and start to blackmail you from it or even worse, they use it as a secondary phishing attack. In other words, hey, didn't you go to this school and have this teacher in the third grade? Oh, yeah, I was there too. You want to get together? Why don't you pay for my plane ticket? And then this guy is getting scammed by somebody because of something that happened five, 10, 15 years ago. We still need to be on the lookout for the OPM breach that happened, I believe, in 2015. People whose records were taken from that, people whose fingerprints were taken from that, those people need to, you know, they need to be aware of it. And that's why for life, these victims need the Equifax or the LifeLock, but that's just another shield. It's not stopping no. what's causing yeah. this. And yeah. you know that's what I do for a living. I think the one <clears> thing,
2: going back to what you mentioned about sort of not being able to share what happened, right? How it occurred. I think, Curtis, I know you and I, we've talked about this on the podcast. There's not a lot of transparency that goes on, right? In terms of a company gets hit by ransomware, it's almost taboo to say, oh, I got hit right? And so what everyone does is they sort of sweep it under the rug, they silently cover it up, just try to get things recovered without affecting too many things. And there are very, very few people who actually go out there and talk about it. Like, Curtis, I think the first time I heard about an actual victim of ransomware was when we had Tony Mendoza from Spectrologic on the podcast, right? Talking right. about like the process as head of IT, what they went through trying to recover after being hit by ransomware. And this is a data protection company recovering their internal systems after being hit by ransomware.
3: Yeah, and we're all told not to talk about it. And I'm very sensitive when I discuss situations that I've been involved with. I don't mention the client's name. And, you know, that's out of, you know, courtesy for them. It's also about NDAs that I've signed and in certain instances, non-competes. And I I can understand not naming the company. That may or may not be necessary, but we need to talk about how it happened. And maybe we have a naked database that says School District 1, School District 2, School District 3. And what we need and what IBM had started to do, but I don't think anything came of it, was create a database of these attacks that's based on vertical markets. So the financial services sector can work with each other and say, hey, how are other financial services being affected? Because that attack is coming my way. Hospitals, how are you getting into hospitals? And what are you taking over in those hospitals? We need all these healthcare organizations communicating. And if you want to scrub the name from an attack, fine. But at least put the database together. Have an open conversation about the attacks. Again, it goes back to what happened when the Challenger shuttle blew up in 86. It was because of a faulty O-ring. That was almost 30 years ago. I know about the darn O-ring. How many other space shuttle manufacturers know about that O-ring? Well, why don't we know about the O-ring that caused LAUSD to get hacked? what was their O-ring? I want to see that and I want to see it documented and I want it to be a searchable database. And the reason that they don't, and I'll be very fair to the other side, we don't want to tell the hackers what's working. Sorry guys, the hackers already know what's working. Yeah. So how about we stop shooting ourselves in the foot to protect them? Do you
2: feel though that maybe some of these things in terms of uh, not publishing how it happened is potentially because they don't actually know because either logs were lost or other things were compromised. Yeah. And that's kind of a reason why they don't want to talk about it as
1: well. I do understand the other side of the argument, right? That it's, it's, it's two things. It's we don't want to tell the, the bad guys what works. We also really don't want to tell them what worked here, Right? How did I get hacked? Because maybe I haven't fixed the reason I got hacked. Whatever, whatever that was. Right? Um, so I yeah. understand. You know, that it's, is- it's it, it a lot. Even when when I've listened to or talked to people that give details about, they do seem to keep that one piece. Uh, To themselves, they don't tend to give the the, it's like how it's like
2: a police right when you're investigating a case, you always keep that one piece out from public, right from the news just so you can figure out did someone actually do something or not.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
3: I agree with you both. And there's two schools of thought. I'm fine holding back that one secret piece of the sauce. Mm -hmm. Twitter did a great job. And I'm not a Twitter fan at all. But I've spoken about this at conferences. I've written about this. And the way that Twitter handled their hack was fantastic because they did two very important things. They told us exactly what happened and then they apologized. It was stunning. I mean, Twitter said, and above all else, we're sorry. Thank you, Twitter. I'd like for the LA Unified School District to step up and, well, one, fire people because what happened there was criminal, by far criminal. The negligence of what they do there and what they did it's just you, you, no matter what side of it is to share nothing, not even to say it was a phishing attack and somebody got a link with an attachment and, blah, and it was this group that did it. Come on, man. I think they may have finally came out and said who did it. It might have been North Korea, but don't, don't quote me on that. It was last year, and I am getting <laughs> old uh, and forgetting things. But my, my view on it is you still need to tell us what's going on. I want to know what type of lateral movement. You don't need to tell me the name of the employee that got hacked. That's not important. But knowing that a a secretary or whomever it was that clicked on something they shouldn't, we need to know so other people know not to click on that link. It's important because I say 3% of the people always click on it. I've seen phishing surveys coming back with 27% of the company. So if you have 100,000 people, 27,000 people clicked on a link, and it only takes one. Okay. So if you can get it down to 3%, you're still dealing with 3,000 people. You know know before and and that organization, they do these studies, they do these surveys. I'm very big fan of that company. They do important work training people. But when even they say there's 3% we can't reach, that's where some of the technology needs to come in. But in the end, the human is the weakest link in the chain of cybersecurity. And the reason that I do my podcast and the reason that I join and talk with you guys is to help people understand we all are cyber defenders. We all need to Affect change. We all need to do something uh, different and, and make and, and protect ourselves, our loved ones, our families, our kids, and students. And that's why, you know, when I was at IBM, we did a, a wonderful thing for the Denver school district, and that was to go do an evaluation to help them know where they need to strengthen their themselves. And IBM gave out six grants like that, and everybody needs to act.
1: What I worry about when I think about the aftermath of this particular attack. Do you remember the Ashley Madison mm. hack? Oh yeah, right,
3: right. Oh, yeah. Do you remember? remember do you that. remember
1: the aftermath of that? There were suicides. Oh, right yeah. now, now these yeah. were not innocent victims. Right, these were you know by design. These were people looking to cheat on their their spouses. But um, I can see that happening here. Right. So if if children were discussing very sensitive things with their um, you know their counselor because that's what you do. Uh, and then that information was leaked. I can see, um, you know, I can see kids that were that are not out, that are gay, that talked about that with the counselor. I can see all kinds of things,
2: and kids are mean that they that talked too
1: with their counselor. That is now, and kids are kids yeah. are horrible. So I can I can see suicides. Yeah. So I do I do think that the, um, you know, we focus mainly on the the making sure that the data doesn't disappear forever. Um, But I do think that the the double extortion attack where there, you know, is the absolute worst and that that's perhaps where the front end defense money should be spent, right? In detecting exfiltration. It is possible to detect exfiltration, but I don't think that, I think that too much money is being spent on stopping the attack. And not enough on stopping what happens after the attack, right? Basically, a, a, a stronger assume breach
2: mentality sort of
1: setup, yeah. right? Uh, mentality, yeah. I heard something recently, and I
3: wanna say that this came from Microsoft, from a friend of mine. She told me about making it impossible to encrypt encryption. In other words, if you have already been encrypted with one format, you can't encrypt it in another. And based mm-hmm. off of that concept, you could not have ransomware because you can't encrypt what's already encrypted. You said something, Curtis, that's important about double extortion. And I don't think a lot of people know what that is, but what you're talking about is the first extortion is give us the money or we're not going to give you the key to unlock the data. And right. the second piece is, okay, we're not, you're not going now we're going to extort you by leaking the data anyway. So that's right. the double extortion. And I will tell you for an absolute fact, I've been doing this for 25 years at least. Where do you spend your money? On the front end? On the back end? Is it on encryption? Is it on data protection? Is it on backups? That is a huge <laughs> debate. And I have not found an organization where I believe that they do it really correctly. They're, they're not looking at the proper use cases. And use cases on data protection and data exfiltration is really where you should focus. You you hit on something really powerful, but it's not just about the kids. Imagine a kid's talking about parent abuse. Their caregiver right. is abusing them. Now, the caregiver finds out that the kid told that. That puts the kid and the counselor at risk if this abuser finds it. Where is the data? How do people find the data? And who's going to go looking for it? As time passes and people learn more about this, and as they get older, they're going to go look for it, and they're going to find it. And, it, and there is... You know, forget the double extortion. Now you've got what I would say are kinetic threats. Losing some money, that's bad. Kinetic threats right. that can be a hell of a lot worse.
1: Yeah, in this case, there could be multiple uh, extortions. Right, the, the initial extortion was against the the L-E-O-S-D, but yeah. that you know you're talking about kids be kids they become adults and they you know it's like because this information threatens their future employment status depending on what we're talking about. Um, right. that they could be, they could be extraordinary. And the, the thing about that kind of thing is it's not the same, uh, you know, we call this ransomware, but the, the big difference between this, the, the idea of ransom and the, 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 OG ransom, give us your money and we'll give you your kid back. Uh, in this case, no matter what they pay, they can't. Put that genie back in the bottle. back in the barn. <laughs> yeah, the genie back in the bottle. Whatever, whatever you, whatever uh, uh, analogy you want to use there. Their data will forever be out there. Yeah. Um, do, do you think yeah, though? It, um, just
2: going back to Eric, what you had mentioned that no organization you've worked with has done it right. Do you feel that it's because? organizations don't understand the data that they have, the importance of the data, the classification of that data, how to protect it. Because different data, for instance, like the school counselor records, right? Or therapist records, that's probably very sensitive data that you probably want to protect a lot more than say just the kid's name, right? Or an email address potentially, right? Or something that's more benign. And so- Is that
3: part of the problem you think? So you're you're asking me straight up, why have I not run into an organization that does it correctly? Why is it that people don't seem to protect their data? And why do these things keep happening? And why do they keep getting worse? And no matter how much money you spend, it just gets worse. Is that what you're asking? (laughs) My professional opinion is that the people that care the most about the data don't have the authority to protect it. Nor do they have the budget to protect it. And the people that have the budget and the authority have bigger fish to fry. I'll give you a very good example. I worked in healthcare for about eight and a half years, healthcare IT. And you have a revenue generating machine called an MRI. Let's say it costs a million dollars. Well, do you buy a revenue generating MRI for a million dollars, or do you spend half that on cybersecurity? The people that are running the hospital say, We're going to spend the million dollars on the MRI because we need to make money. And cybersecurity, yeah, if we get hacked, we get hacked. And what's the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing that happens to these organizations is not bad enough. And here's a perfect example. I believe it was the Pinto. It was a Mm -hmm. a Ford car. And this was a major lawsuit where they calculated what is the value of a human life. And you can quantify that. I have a degree in economics and people hate the story, but you can quantify the value of a human life. I'm sorry, but you can put a dollar figure on it. And the people at, I think it was Ford. Don't sue me, for it. I'm just thinking it was the Ford Pinto that was this story. And they said, we're not going to fix this car that blows up when you hit it from the rear because it's more expensive to recall all the cars than it is to pay for the people that end up yep. dying. Well, when this all came out, Ford was pilloried. Just de- the, the, the yeah. um, settlement was way more than it would have been to recall all the cars to punish yep. them. And we now have that story. And now car dealerships—I'm sorry, car manufacturers—will recall the cars no matter how much it costs because they know what happened in that Pinto story.
1: Yeah, I as an we- as an owner, as a former owner of a Ford oh, Pinto, um, <laughs> the, the the it was actually my first car. Uh, it was like a dollar fifty-seven part, right? It Was to think like it was the, literally the part was like a buck and a half, but it was the cost of bringing everybody back in to replace that dollar and a half part um, that caused them to, yeah, I I do believe your story is right. But again, don't sue me either. Um, But that's my point is we need a Ford or the cigarette companies. They got
3: sued into oblivion because they were false marketing and saying, oh, these are great. And then the whole thing, and it was the 80s and 90s that just decimated the cigarette industry with that lawsuit. I don't know if that's what it takes to fix cybersecurity, but we have a a broken industry where – It's just getting worse and worse, and and real quick, I'll I'll just say this, and then I'll I'll shush for a moment and let you guys jump in. When I speak, I tell a story about a graph, and it shows that we spend more and more money every year on cybersecurity, and we get more and more attacks every year. So one would draw a corollary that if you're attacked more because you spend more money, spend less, and you'll be attacked less. Obviously, that's (laughs) not the case, but why is it that we're spending more and more money, and we're getting attacked more and more? And not only are we getting attacked more, but the attacks are worse. What happened at LA Unified School District was pretty darn egregious. It's similar to the OPM breach from seven or eight years ago. And Equifax, the Equifax breach in 2017 was just horribly disgusting. And that goes to something you were saying earlier, persona, about it sits around for a while and they know it and why aren't you fixing it? Equifax knew about that weakness in their um, web server for months and they never patched it and then they got hacked and 150 million people's you know, financial data leaks it's just – it's broken, and it's broken for a number of reasons, and we're not doing anything as a society, in my opinion, that's going to remedy it. And coming out with more regulations and coming out with you know, government involvement and interference, it, it, it creates certain roadblocks that are limiting the mm-hmm. remedy. But the real remedy is, is being elusive because the, the people that are knowledgeable are not in charge, and they don't have the money. And mm, one yeah. perfect example of that is when a CISO, Chief Information Security Officer, reports to a CIO. Yeah. I've written about this. You, you can't have that. And when we have organizations that are doing that or the CIO reports to the CFO, yeah. okay, so the guy that's responsible for all of your information technology is reporting to the guy responsible for the money, and they're both bonused on different things, you're mm, going to have yeah. a conflict. And the conflict yeah. is not going to go into the direction of stronger cybersecurity.
1: Yeah, this is a problem. This is a problem that we have in, in, the, in the backup space, right? No, no one, no one ever, no one ever became a customer of a company because they used a really good backup <laughs> system, right? Yeah. So uh, we have the same problem, and sounds like the same, um, similar problem because what's happened in the backup space. We didn't have cyber attacks in the backup space. They just—they just didn't exist twenty years ago. No one was attacking the backup system. We just had to make sure that it was safe from fire and floods and you know things like that. We, we didn't have to also make sure that the, that that the cyber attacker can't you know basically obliterate the backup system. Now we're having to spend more money and more design money. Right. You know, I, um, I, I actually I forgot to throw out our disclaimer. This is an independent podcast and these opinions are ours and don't necessarily reflect any companies we work with. So one of the problems that we have is that people don't back up Microsoft 365 and things like backup things like Microsoft 365. They say, oh, it's the cloud. It's magic. It's PFM. Right. And, if you know, <laughs> you Google that if you don't know what that means. Um, and and, there, and 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 so not enough major things have happened to companies that don't back up, uh, 365 and similar products. Right. Um, not enough companies have basically ceased to exist due to cyber attacks. Um, I, I can name them, I can name them on like literally a few fingers and they're not public spaces and, and, and I'll submit, <laughs> but yeah, code spaces <laughs> is, is, you know, is the big one right from the very beginning of the, all of this, but like, for example, this is one that I just found out uh, just a few days ago. There's a, there's a great podcast, by the way, called the Ransomware Files, and it's, mm-hmm. um, it's just a guy that's interviewing, and he, he basically does stories, and then he actually talks to the people who were involved in the ransomware attack. It's a fascinating, um, you know, podcast. And he talked about this this hack last year where uh, Conti had basically taken down all of Costa Rica's government, that, that that they lost their revenue system, their, their you know, um, the, the, basically their, their payroll. They lost all these huge, just a huge portion of the Costa Rica government. And to, to my knowledge and to the, that guy's knowledge, like it's the first time that like an entire country has been held ransom by a ransomware group. The weirdest part of the story is that Conti Apparently didn't do it for money, because um, and this is a way too brief explanation, but Costa Rica actually has laws that prevented the government from paying the ransom, and so and and and, any, and a group of size of Conti would have known that. It appears that they did this hack just to um, of a way to of a of basically providing cover while they made Conti disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, right, because that's what happened. Right at this time, this was April of last year. Uh, this was Conti's last attack before they spread everybody out to a bunch of other organizations. I agree with you, Eric. I almost called you, Jeff. <laughs> I agree with you, Eric. That um, that not enough, like of these public. Um, things where basically where like in the case of Costa Rica, they have had to completely rebuild their IT infrastructure from scratch with no backup, no nothing. They're starting from scratch. And I know of companies that basically have been wiped off the planet. Not enough of those have been public. And, And again, with the Costa Rica story, I didn't even realize that that happened, right? That, that, that event was not public enough. Um and so yeah, I I, I, I want to
2: take that. the other perspective though, Curtis, on that. So I totally, of course no, no, no. you do. So, so <laughs> the one country though that I think did a phenomenal job, right, is during the Ukraine war, right, where they were mm-hmm. hit multiple times, right, by <clears> cyber attacks, and because they had gotten so good at rebuilding their infrastructure, right, they had backups, <laughs> right. they knew how to recover, right. They get attacked, they. S- Spin up everything, right? Within a couple days, everything was recovered back to normal, right? And so- Yeah.
3: Well, I'm not sure which attack you're talking about, but the reason that the Ukraine is able to recover is because they get hit so often that they have a mechanism. And also, I read about this in, I want to say it was Hacker in the State by Ben Buchanan. And it it talked about, it was either that or in another one of those books, but I think it was Ben's book. It talked about their infrastructure is so basic that it's not that difficult to rebuild. And if we took the hits that they're taking, we wouldn't be able to recover like that because ours are so sophisticated. So Mm. the Ukraine, it's kind of like saying somebody that gets sacked in the end zone four times in a row starts to learn, hey, how about I stop throwing the ball when (laughs) I'm on the two? You know, Fine. Then they they learn to run it out a little bit. But they took a lot of major blows before they became – Competent and Costa Rica hadn't had that opportunity. This is the first time they got sacked, as far yeah. as we know. But you talk about companies failing and businesses failing. Let's talk about a multi-billion-dollar global company. I think believe it was Maersk. <laughs> they almost went down, and they, they had yeah. a server that happened to be <laughs> offline in Africa, <laughs> right. and one guy was <clears throat> able to get that back up, and they could get it up to England. I think it's in the Netherlands. I'm sorry, it's Copenhagen. It's a, it's a, a Danish company. Um, they had to get it from Africa, and the funny thing is, they could—they had export control, so somebody had to go and drive it from one African country to another, yeah. so they could put it on a plane. And this person is flying with the entire backup for the domain—the only <laughs> domain controller that was up when Maris got hit. I believe it was with NotPetya. Um So yeah. th- there are, you know, saved by the skin of their teeth, if you will. But Ukraine—they're just kind of like some people believe that they're the testing bed for Russia. And when Russia is attacking uh, the infrastructure, they're doing that as a test run for hitting the West. And maybe we'll see more of that in the coming year or two, depending on what goes on between Russia and Ukraine. That is a whole nother ball game, you know, after talking about LA Unified School District and a half a million kids having their data leaked versus Russia taking down the power grid in the eastern United States, which they've been testing in Ukraine since 13 or right. 14 is what the belief is. Um But I mean, I I still stand by looking at normal cybersecurity and normal uh, vertical markets, FinServe, healthcare, SLED, which is state and local education. Uh, These organizations do not have the desire or the need to put the resources where they have to. They do enough to check a box and move on. So if they get hit, and then they're audited. Well, we did A, B, C, and D. Okay, fine. You, you meet all the regulations and the government's not coming after you. What about the other people that were affected by it, though? And Persana and I were talking a little bit ago, Curtis, about – I talked about the aftermath of LAUSD, but what about the week or the three days that the kids couldn't go to school? What kind of impact did that have on those students, on those parents, on the economy of L.A. because gig workers couldn't drive because they're at home with their kids? There's so many other ancillary components to a hack that we never hear about. It's yeah. kind of like a headline. You know, if uh, if a Hollywood stars getting divorced, you hear about it for two or three days, but then you don't know anything about it. Well, if there's a hack, you hear about it for two or three days and then you don't hear about it. That's where you know Ben Buchanan's book and other books are very helpful, but. Unless you're really into this, you don't hear about it.
1: Yeah, I, I know um, that there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, the one attitude and because I want to talk a little bit about um, sort of, but I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about what you could do, but I'm not going to say anything new, right? Because um, what we know from all of the attacks that happen is that roughly 90% of them, as I'm hearing, of them could have been stopped by a handful of basic security practices, right? Um, Things like patch management, things like MFA, things like least privilege and separation of powers. Um, You know, what else would you add to that list, Eric? Uh, Educating your staff. I mean, number one, don't click on the link. Uh, you know, think
3: before yeah. you click, as they say, I think that you're spot on. And it's something that I've said, I've published on this, that we are where we have been for 30 years. We have the same problems and Kevin Midnick will talk about this. He's the, the chief hacking officer of No before that the same things that he was doing 30 years ago, you could still do today, such as social engineering and tricking your way into environment, tailgatings, holding the door for somebody, you know, we don't right. do enough about educating people and we don't hold people accountable. You got to fire him when school districts are hacked and the, 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 uh, the, the head of the school board didn't do anything. It doesn't know anything. Gone, man. If you're not cyber aware, gone. Right. We don't see enough of this, so you're 100% correct. Basics of multi-factor authentication—you got to do it. Everybody listening to this, all of your bank accounts should be MFA. And when I say MFA, I don't mean getting a text because that's easy to get around. Right. You right. want to use Google Authenticator or VIP by Semantic, something like that. Basic things—you um, know, your password should be a passphrase. You should change it regularly. All your bank accounts do not use the same ones. These are just basic things we've talked right. about for decades.
1: Right. And, and don't uh, and don't click on the damn link. Yeah, but
3: we keep doing the same thing.
1: Yeah. I mean yeah. people
3: think you need to be a rocket scientist not to get hacked. No, you just need to be aware. you need to pay attention. Do you, do you think it's
2: sort of gotten to the point where it's sort of overload and people have gotten sort of desensitized to a certain extent?
3: Possibly uh, possibly. And I think that people are afraid to be rude. And I, I see guys that they're getting a possible hack coming in on your phone or possible spam. Hi, how are you? I'm Todd. Why are you answering the phone, Todd? Well, I don't want to be rude. He's interrupting you, man. Don't swipe left. Swipe left. Don't pick up swipe the phone. <laughs> and if you and if you swipe right, hi, who are you? Hi, I'm calling about some auto insurance that we want to get you. Just hang the phone up.
1: Don't yeah, say goodbye. Don't up. say I'm an interview.
3: Bing, hang yeah. up. They're interrupting yeah. you. Just hang up the phone.
1: I, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> just do that you hung when up the call. You hung <laughs> up the phone. Yeah, I I think I do think that there is a certain amount. There is a again, you know, the three percent, but there's there's another percent that basically they have the belief of like, well, everybody knows that you know the, the only unhackable computer is one that's completely disconnected from everything. So why why even try? Why even try? But I, I don't know. It, it is just basic, you know, for companies. If you for if you know, we could argue on, you know, with, with a person, I, I can't, if there's a person, an individual that doesn't value their personal information, whatever enough to take care of stuff, that's not my concern. Right. Just like I, I like, it's like when, when I'm talking to somebody who says raid is backup and they don't need backup because they have raid or, or because they're in the cloud. And I just, I just, I just move on. I don't even waste any time, yeah. but we're talking about companies and governmental organizations that have people's you know livelihoods and people's lives in their hand yeah. um if the, i agree with you eric that if if they don't want to do their job um you know to uh to quote uh taylor swift uh thank you next <laughs> um <Yeah. right? laughs>
3: well your point about people
1: saying It's not that
3: important or somebody else will protect me. Do you wear a seatbelt? I mean, not clicking on a link is the same thing as wearing a seatbelt as far as I'm concerned. An individual, you know, I, I don't want my father who's 80 clicking on the link. So I, I help him and I teach him and my stepmom and my, you know, my kids have been raised and the next generation are coming up and much more security minded. But we need people to know that if you click on it, then you could put a keylogger on your machine. And if you don't care right. about that, well, when you start typing in your banking password and somebody keylogs and has that, your bank account will be empty tomorrow. Now, yeah, that may only affect you and your heirs if you're my father that affects right. me uh yeah. you know so I, i'm I'm protecting him uh and, and protecting yeah. me and my kids in that but i think a lot of times and, and, and this is very important i think a lot of times people at work think oh you know what if i click on the link there's another security safeguard down the road that will fix it that i may screw up but i'm not the only you know ah, i installed it Some, no people there is not something else downriver okay right. i'm here to yeah. tell you in most cases, if you click that link, there is nothing else to save your yeah, company. I was thinking
2: about the 3CX supply chain hack that happened last week, right? And <laughs> someone had installed some software that they had found online that had been discontinued since like 2021. And that package had been infected, right? And that then led to it now being able to get into 3CX and attack their systems and all sorts of other chaos but it's those sort of things it's like someone downloaded a piece of software that they shouldn't have or that they probably didn't need didn't realize it was obsolete right and led to all of these issues for 3cx or if i think i was reading about a security researcher who was looking for uh obs right the software for uh video pr- uh presentations and all the rest right and they google searched, saw click the first link turned out to be malware Right. And they're like, this is what Google's SEO returned to me. And it now infected my system. Right. And even experts get tricked by this. Right. And so everyone just has to be really, really careful.
3: I have been conned, and I have a paper that I wrote out years ago about a mule scam when I was unemployed. I got tricked, and I do this for a living. Mm -hmm. A year and a half or so ago, I also started – they started to scam me about a timeshare I own, and I knew it from get-go. So I actually played (laughs) it all the way through, and I did a podcast on it to show people how it really works from the first phone call until me telling them to go to hell. Um, But, I mean, I do this for a living, and I can get tricked. So I I get it. I made the comment before. People don't want to be rude. Be rude delete the email, hang up the phone. Don't talk. No, you're not getting a text because your Amazon account is locked. Don't click on that link in your text. It is everywhere. And are you going to possibly delete an important email? Yeah. Have I deleted an email that my boss sent me that I thought was a phishing attack? Yeah. And you know what? (laughs) He'll resend it. If it's that important, he'll call me on the phone or send me a team's message. But yeah. delete the email, hang up the phone, if you even answer it. There these people are con artists. And now with AI and with deep fakes, it's just gonna get worse and worse. We need to be skeptical of everything. Question everything.
1: Yeah. And, and the other you know, thing get... Go ahead.
3: I say get second and third opinions on something. My wife is fantastic in protecting me for myself. I've done some stupid things on Craigslist. She goes, no, Eric, they're not going to give you more money for that couch than it's worth and send their cousin <laughs> to pick it up just to get a little bit of money on the back end. Oh, you know what? You're right, <laughs> honey. I'm sorry. So have, run it by your family and your friends if you're not sure, but yeah. be cautious, be skeptical.
1: And I, and I would add to this, um, have an, a, have a, uh, an environment that, uh, you know, w- when we're talking about organizations, right, have an environment where it is encouraged to report when you think you might have made a mistake, mm-hmm. right, yeah. right, when you think when you think you've clicked on an email. So this happened to me a couple of weeks ago, where I thought I, it, what, what was funny was, um, was after mentioning on a podcast, I don't know how anybody falls for MFA exhaustion, right? Like send me 37 MFA requests. And eventually I say yes, just to make it stop. And I'm like, how does that work? Because that just seems wrong. And then the very next day, I thought I had done it. Not that MFA exhaustion, but I thought that I had just absentmindedly said yes when I didn't remember actually going to Okta, um, you know, to, 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 to generate that request. And, um, and I immediately reported it, uh, because I, because we have that, uh, that culture, I immediately reported it and I immediately got a response. No, dude, that was you. Uh, you know, we've, you just, what it was, was there was just a tab in my browser that I had accidentally refreshed and it was Okta and it it had logged me again, but you need that. That's the other thing that you can do for your employees is if they do something stupid, Um, have a culture that allows them to notify that and you reward them for that rather than yelling at them for clicking on the wrong link. Um, Yeah. And uh, the
3: the problem is there's not, even if there's no punishment, the feeling of being feeling stupid. And I I think that people, it's one of the reasons why internal phishing attacks cause a lot of problems because of that 3%, but really it's more like 10% that click on it. Employees think that their employer is trying to trick them. And we as the employees need to learn. They're not trying to trick me. They're trying to train me. It's not right. a gotcha game. And until organizations help people realize it's not a gotcha game, it's a training game. And just like you have to take training in healthcare on HIPAA. I worked in the, in healthcare IT. I didn't work in a hospital. And year after year, I have to take HIPAA training. If you work in the financial services industry, you have to take certain trainings. I think everybody should take cyber training. And everybody should be getting a phishing attack email once a quarter regularly yeah. clockwork let's muscle memory people let's train you and don't punish them per se i mean if you're going to click on it five times five quarters in a row every single time maybe <laughs> you need to you know get the boot um but yeah, yeah that's a small minority um but I, I think that there needs to be training there needs to be ongoing uh support for cyber and at the top Top down, and this is something else I've spoken about, presented about, written about. Cybersecurity start, starts at the top, at the board of directors and the CEO, and it flows down. And if they're not aware and they don't care, the organization's not going to, the budget's not going to be there. This is not something that you can fix like it was in the old days. Oh, put up a firewall and you'll be fine. No, it is so much more sophisticated now. It is all about psychology. I'm of the mind that maybe we need to start teaching (laughs) psychology classes to go and work with a computer because our enemies are most enemies are doing social engineering and they go after you when you're desperate and they go after you with urgency. Do it now. Do it now. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's it's a problem. And I agree with you, Curtis, that we need to not punish. We need to educate and we need to not humiliate. And people need to also have a thicker skin. If you screw up, you admit it and you do better. You don't just sit there and say, you're attacking me because I keep clicking the link. It's not about you. It's about the organization. It's about your customers and it's about your business partners. And people need to understand that one mistake could end the world. Go watch War Games, people. 1983, I believe. Matthew Broderick. One mistake. Tic-tac-toe.
1: I'd piss on a spark plug if I thought it'd do any good. (laughs) That's yeah. my favorite that's my favorite line from that movie. Um all right well Eric has been great. Um I, I love talking about this stuff. I love how uh clearly how animated you are about this topic. Uh we're 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 people of like mind. I, I like that. So thanks for coming on.
3: Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much.
1: And persona uh you know uh as always, you know, great question. I try I try. It was nice to meet you, Eric. Thanks for being on the podcast. You as well, Prasad. I hope we'll see you again. And uh, thanks again to our listeners. Uh, Be sure to subscribe so that uh, you can restore it all.
0: i